All right, well, once again, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christ Central Church. Thanks for participating today, and for those in person and both online. And as, as Angela said, my name's Joe Crummy, and I'm going to be speaking today in our formation series, The Way of Jesus, as we've been learning and wrestling through who and what forms our life. So we've been spending this time talking about how, whether we know it or not, we're being formed. Spiritually, we're being formed into something, and various things affect our desires and our goals and our priorities and our values, and we've seen that our culture influences us, media and family, and we've been seeing, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, hopefully <laughs> Jesus is influencing us and is our model for formation. And so today we're going to be talking about the topic of money and possessions, and I just find it quite interesting that following Easter and death, resurrection, the thing we're going to look at is money, because of all sort of influencers in our world, this is one of the biggest ones, both directly and so many times indirectly, and that we can see that money can either be a master or as a servant. So, do you remember as a kid, and I'm going way back, so some of you have never seen these before, but do you remember, like, receiving money and what a big thrill it was? Like, maybe at your birthday or Christmas or, like, at graduation or something like that. So here is a trip down memory lane in history. That's like one of the first dollar bills I ever received. And a $2 bill. I am old. But isn't that cool? Like, isn't that... Anyways, that was... And look at this one. This one's my heavy one. This is my only gold I own right here. And it's like heavy. You'll have to come and check that out afterwards. You can... That, through inheritance, that's the only way I got it. Those are about the only money and gold and possessions that I have. But we learn early on that money kind of leads to opportunity and happiness because we get to go buy some things. And so another question for you. How much money do you feel you need to make you happy? Anyone want to tackle that one? You can write it in the chat online. How much money do you think it, you need to make you happy? Come on, somebody. Give me an answer. A million, a million thank you. At least. <laughs> Trevor says a million, and then he's like, actually, I'm not really sure. <laughs> There we go. That's more like it. Thank you, Micah. A lot of money. And a lot of times, if you ask rich people, what we would consider rich, how much more money would it take to make you happy? Guess what they say? Just a little bit more. So money throughout history, right up to today, whether we have plenty or we lack money, it's one of the biggest influencers on our formation. It affects us in every way. So much so that Jesus, when he was here on earth, talked and taught about money probably more than any other topic or subject. That's how big of a deal it was even 2,000 years ago. And why would Jesus talk about money so much? Because money has a unique sort of, for lack of a better term, power over us. Money really it does affect us. And money, Jesus taught, is actually a rival God. Whew. So we have this scripture from Matthew 6.24 when Jesus was teaching, and Jesus said this, to those who are listening. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either they will hate the one and love the other, or they will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and 
money. Whew, that's a powerful statement because Jesus is saying this. The thing with money, when we talk about money, it's, there's bigger things at play. There's things like, where do we put our trust? Where do we put our security? Where do we put our allegiance? Where do we put our happiness? Where do we put, this is going to make me happy? Jesus is saying, it's a battle because actually money can be like a God. And as we follow Jesus and as we're united with Jesus and as a relationship with Jesus grows, hopefully the outworking of that is our attitude towards money changes. Our, our sense and source of security and fulfillment and happiness comes from Jesus and not money or possessions. The Holy Spirit works in us and we learn to see ourselves you know what, folks? We're rich in Jesus Christ, just as we've been thinking about. And we begin to value God and people above money and our possessions. And a framework of life, so hopefully you can see this online. We've been doing this whole thing. Our framework is like a trellis, and we've been talking about how our lives are like a plant. If you take a plant at a vineyard and how a plant finds roots and foundations and grows, and a trellis provides a framework and a support for it to grow and to flourish and to be protected. And we've been trying to put some anchors, we've been trying to put some different things in our lives that help us grow in our relationship with Jesus so that our character it looks more like Jesus. We understand and we experience the presence of Jesus in the whole of our lives, that we actually become and give life to those around us. And a framework of life regarding money helps us to wisely steward our money that actually is God's money and it frees us from the power of greed and materialism and allegiance that we think that money is going to solve all of our answers. And one sign of the resurrection of Jesus and one sign of the resurrection of Jesus in us is this. It's that our hearts and our bank accounts are given to God in order to serve other and for eternal purposes. So this morning we're just going to briefly take a look at if that's starting to like, okay, Joe, like, yeah, I, but how do we actually do that? Well, here's some of the things we're going to take a look at that hopefully you can work into your framework of life regarding money, and these come from God's Word. So first of all, number one, we're going to say this. It's called grace giving, and I just thought it was so encouraging in our worship. Angela's talking about God's such a generous God. And grace, when we use that word grace, we're talking that there's power. God gives us strength and energy. And there's a grace of giving. So in the Old Testament, just a quick review, before Jesus, the people of God were instructed to do this. They were instructed to give 10% of everything that came in, their crops and their money and different things, to God. And so it was given to the priests because the priests didn't own any land. And so that 10% helped take care of them. And it went towards the sacrifices and everything like that. And God said in Malachi 3.10, he says to the people of God, he says, test me in this. Probably the only place where God says, test me. He says, test me this. Put your 10% into what I'm doing, and I'm going to take care of you. He says, trust me. In the New Testament, it's interesting that as we see Jesus and as things come along into the New Testament letters, the tithe, so that 10% was called the tithe in the Old Testament. The tithe isn't even mentioned. So it doesn't say continue it. It doesn't say don't continue it. But here's it. The emphasis shifts from like a command to a voluntary. We want to be a generous people. So there's this grace giving as we want to be able to give with joy and thankfulness and generosity, not out of duty or guilt or obligation or like, oh, I have to give. 
Because God's looking at our heart. And he wants our hearts to be generous because God's been so generous to us. In 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, two great chapters if you want to read more about the whole context of giving. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth and he's giving instruction and he's talking to them about them as a church giving a gift to help other believers in different parts of the world. And he talks about them excelling and he uses this phrase, this is where we get it, this grace of giving. And I'll just read a couple of verses. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 7 and 8. Paul writes this, each one should give what they have decided in their heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. What does God love? One of the things God loves, God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. There's a connection we're going to look at in part two, is that God wants us to give joyfully, generously from the heart, not under compulsion, not under guilt. We're not here to condemn you this morning. We're actually here to say, God is such a generous God. He's provisioned, provided for you in order for you to give. So when we stop and worship, this is one of the most powerful things about worship as we give our praise to God. We're actually reminded. We're actually begin to understand and appreciate how we've been blessed by God in Jesus Christ. Mark spoke on this on Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Folks, God's provided a way for us to have a relationship with him through Jesus. We've been forgiven. We've been adopted. We've been loved and accepted and saved. And the Holy Spirit reveals God's grace that we didn't deserve any of that. That's all of God's love and grace and generosity to us. That we get what we don't deserve. And the truth is this. All that we are and all that we have, guess what? It all belongs to God. So we can have this attitude, oh man, God wants 10%, I gotta give 10%, well, but at least I get to keep the other 90%. <laughs> we kinda have that attitude. <laughs> Guess what, folks? It all belongs to God. It all belongs to God. We've been bought with a price. We don't own anything. We're stewards. So our house or our car or maybe just the penny that we have, it's not ours. It all belongs to God. I'm a steward. I've been entrusted with God's resources, and God can do whatever he wants with them. Folks, that's a big mindset change. Because our world is very selfish, and it's mine, mine, mine. It all belongs to God. Do you understand that? It all belongs to God. And God's entrusted us to manage wisely with gratitude and generosity to invest in eternal things. That's the grace of giving. Our whole lives are about giving. Second one, and this is tied to the first one in the same passage, it's grace provision. Paul says this, and God is able. So as you give away, God is able to provide for you. He says this, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God's saying, as you are generous and as you give and as you trust God, God provides for the needs of your life. God provides faithfully for all that we truly need in material ways and in spiritual ways. And God is able. 
to make all grace, that's God's provision and strength and energy, abound to you. There's provision for you in order for you to what? To do good works. And folks, we have, for Angela and I and our family, for us as a church, so personally, for us together as a family, we have so many stories of God's provision, both big and small, that as we've given money away and as we've resourced and as we've sacrificially given, God has provided. Not that God's obligated to. God just does. <laughs> it's His nature. So Angela and I could tell you story after story, both recently and over the last 25 years, of God's provision for us in so many different ways. And sometimes that's financially, but most of the time, it's actually spiritually. It's joy and peace and contentment. And God has freed up money for us to give. And as we've given away and we're like, well, we believe God's asking us to give this way. We're not sure how we're going to take care of these things. God takes care of them in so many weird and miraculous and wonderful ways. It's actually hilarious. Like it really is. And as a church, over the last 25 years, as we've been generous, God has provided. So early days in our church, we were giving money away. And folks, we, hardly, we didn't have anything. And we gave money away, and God had provided a building on 487 Brunswick Street that we were able to use for over 20 years. And God miraculously provided for that building when we had no money. And in 2008, we bought that building in 1999. 2008, we outgrew it, and so we knew we had to do something, so we moved to the campus of University of New Brunswick to rent on Sunday mornings. And we'd always kind of had this, we had a small mortgage on that building, we're like, oh, we kind of always want it. We'd love to pay off the mortgage before we actually start renting somewhere. But we got pretty close. We were, only, we were down to like $15,000. So I was like, well, that's pretty good. And we're kind of bursting at the seams, so we'll go. Our first week at UMB, somebody gave us a gift of $15,000, which helped pay off the mortgage. And they didn't even know the amount or anything. It was a different church. And you're just like, God provides. And we had that flood back in 08, and we had this $25,000 deductible on our insurance, and we didn't have that money, and God provided the $25,000. Remember our story about Cliff Street? We went for the piece of land, and we didn't have any money, but we went for it anyways, and out of that, that land sold, somebody else got it, but they gave us $150,000, which helped go towards buying this building. And one time, we gave away a whole bunch of money, and someone gave us a gift of $250,000. Folks, I can't make this stuff up. You just give away, and again, we don't Expect, we give expecting God to give to us. We just give, and God provides in all kinds of different ways. But it's kind of fun to look back and see and say, God, it's kind of hilarious how you provide it. And I wish I could say every time when I gave those away, I was like, God, I'm confident you're going to come through. I'm like, oh God, oh God, oh God, you got to come through because I don't know what we're going to do. So I hope my faith's building a little bit <clears throat> through that. And God provided for us for 140 Clark. And as we come up to gift day again, last year we felt in the midst of going for renovations on the building and all that, we just felt God say, give away half of what comes into gift day. So last year we gave away $30,000 to various churches and groups and organizations in our community and really around the world just to bless and to sow and to support and to encourage. And I think one of the most sort of modern-day examples of someone using their resources and that to help and serve is Marcel Lebrun, who helps oversee our 12 neighbors who are building the tiny homes right on the other side of this wall. 
and Marcel's heart to help the homeless and to provide, and him putting his own money and resources that God's blessed him with, because Marcel knows it's not his. <laughs> He's a modern-day living example of what we're talking about, of investing his own money and then getting, using his skills and abilities to help bring good news. Now, folks, here's where we have to be careful. And I just want to say this. In the Old Testament, there's lots of promises that if we give, we're going to be blessed financially, material, or land, or crops, and everything. Here's the big difference, and you've got to make sure you hear this one. In the New Testament, we're blessed spiritually. So, I know in some parts of Christianity, we're a bit more, you hear something called kind of the health and wealth gospel of like, if we give to God, God's going to bless us financially. Now, I'm saying God's taking care of our needs. In those stories, God's taking care of our needs. But I don't have the private jet, and I don't have the limousine, and I don't have my white suit, okay? Because those are not needs. And God blesses us spiritually. And here's an example. God blesses us with deep joy and contentment and peace despite our circumstances. So you look at the life of Paul, and he writes this in Philippians, and I think we have this one, guys, for one of our verses. Philippians 4, Paul says this, and if anyone knew the Old Testament to go, hey, if I give to God, God should bless me financially. It was Paul, but he doesn't say that. What does he say? I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And folks, he's talking about, I can do all things that God's asked me to do. (laughs) So you can't apply that to your favorite football team, okay? I'm sorry. I can do all things through Christ, all the things that God wants me to do, because God gives me strength. So folks, it's not so much health and wealth, it's strength in suffering. And that's a radical New Testament difference from the Old Testament. God still might bless you financially or provision. Hallelujah! But most of it, God blesses us with peace and strength and contentment despite our circumstances. All right, moving right along. There's this grace of living. Really, all I'm just saying is our goal in our life is to be generous and to give away. And that might be material things, money, but that can just be encouragement, the gifts God's given to us, just our demeanor and our personality. But one of the things in order for us to do that, and this is going to be radically countercultural, and you're only going to hear this in church life, okay? You're not going to hear this hardly anywhere else. In order for us to do that, a lot of times, we actually have to learn to live below our means, So the world is, you make more money equals you spend more money. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So as as you increase in what you're earning, you spend more. And the countercultural thing in this is that you learn what your needs are and you budget for that. And if you gain more money, guess what? You have more money to give away. Woo! That's kind of exciting. I think that's really exciting. I'm like, can you imagine? Like, woof, we're going to try to save more money in order to give away and bless other people. Folks, 
if we can, if we can get a hold of that and that gets a hold of us in God and generosity, that's a fun life. A sacrificial life, but a fun life. So I'm saying, hey, you want to be countercultural? Let's take a look at what do we really need? And if our giving or if our, we earn more, however that might be, let's just stick at what our needs are. I think I've told you this story before about Rick Warren. He's a pastor in California, and he's totally lived his life as God's blessed him financially with this. He's completely flipped things around from the Old Testament. He lives off 10% and gives away 90%. So Rick Warren, he wrote The Purpose Driven Life. I think in his first year, it made, it made like $25 million. And he was like, God didn't want me to write that book for me to make 25 million. He's like, God's given that in order for us to give all that away. And Rick Warren has reinvested all that he's come in into incredible things around the world. A modern day example of just living within his means and whatever God's blessed him with, he gives it away. So folks, that affects our decisions because that means we don't always need the best and the newest and the most expensive phone, vehicle, house, whatever. And it's this whole thing of understanding and experience God's radical generosity to us allows us to become radically generous to others. So the fourth point is the grace of God, the strength of God, the energy of God helps us to examine our lives. So we need to maybe to do the hard work of reviewing our finances what do we spend our money on? How do we save? How can we invest? What are we, why are we doing it? Because we live in a very consumer-driven culture. So we live in a culture where we get a high from buying things, and that just feeds us more and more. So you guys know what it is. You're on social media. Goodness, you mention something, and that ad pops up in front of you. But folks, as we realize buying stuff, the high is pretty temporary. And we get a lot of status from the clothes we wear and the cars we buy and the electronics we have and the stuff we have. And the world just shouts and screams that we're going to find pleasure and happiness in our savings and our possessions and what we buy. What the world doesn't tell you is that you get into debt, we got problems. The more stuff you have, the more you have to worry about and stress and greed and lust that comes into it. Folks, the only reason why I have this piece of gold is because someone died and they couldn't take it with them. And I'm stuck with it. <laughs> Seriously. I didn't even ask for it. Because you can't take stuff with you. So don't look, it's okay to shop, it's okay to enjoy things. I love finding a good deal. Those are all good. The things I'm talking about aren't evil. But when these lesser things become ultimate things, they become an idol in our heart and in our life. So sometimes we just got to ask ourselves the question, why, why am I buying this? <laughs> Do I really need it? What's my motivation in buying this? Is it a need? Is it want? Is it to bless somebody? Is it for my status? We can pray. We can pray, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me some self-control. Help me to be contented in you when I go shopping. So I can not just impulse buy. When I'm on Amazon, 
God, give me some wisdom. Give me some self-control. Holy Spirit, lead me. I don't just fill my cart with stuff I don't need. Because a lot of times impulse buying leads to debt, distraction, and emptiness. And folks, if we're making significant purchases that are going to affect our finances, we need to pray. We need to like maybe ask and get some counsel and some wisdom. <laughs> because those big decisions and big purchases affect the whole of our lives. And sometimes we just need the grace to simplify that. Sometimes we just maybe need to get rid of some stuff that distracts us from God. And maybe the worry and the discontent, if we get rid of some things, we're freed up to draw closer to God. And the last thing, and just say this briefly, is the grace of God helps us to focus on eternal investments. Jesus said it. He said it. He said all this stuff, it's going to, it's going to burn. It's going to rot. It's going to fade away. It's going to decay. Jesus said, earthly treasure, they're going to rust. They're going to get destroyed. They're not going to last. Jesus said, store up for yourself treasures in heaven, eternal treasures. I have this scripture that I think is probably the most appropriate one for North America and our Western, because compared to the rest of the world, we're pretty rich. I know we've got a lot of people, we're all at different incomes or different things, so I don't mean to be crass in saying that, but even here in Fredericton, we've got a really rich city. You just look around. We've got a rich city. If we can come up with like $50 million for our art center, we're, we're a rich city. And bless the arts. We want the arts. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, like, we know there's money there. Paul says this in 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 19. And this is what I think for our church and for us in Fredericton, North America. Paul said this, and it's really interesting. He says, command those who are rich. We got this? Command those who are rich to give everything away. He doesn't say that. He says this. Command or instruct, depending on your translation, those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. <laughs> wow. Command or instruct them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. That's that eternal perspective, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Folks, that's for us. God calls some people to give everything up and to give everything away, and some people do, and, but he doesn't call all of us to do that. He's saying we need some rich people, actually. We need a Marcel who's got some money to invest and do some things, or else that wouldn't happen. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. And God really provides us for everything. We can actually enjoy the things God does give to us. It's okay, we can enjoy. Instruct them to be good, to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Folks, as we do that, we're laying up 
a firm foundation in heaven. We're putting our treasures in heaven. And he says this, so that it may actually take hold of the life that is truly life. Folks, being a generous people, that's actually life-giving. So in closing, I'm just going to put this out here again. And guys, I think there's one slide there just with my email. So we've been talking about this framework of life, and we've been looking at money. We've been looking at a lot of different subjects. And so what I want to do is, if you want to gather to learn more about building a framework of life, maybe it's to do with prayer, money, family life, Sabbath, rest, all those different things, we just want to gather together. And we were originally going to do it, thank you, there's the email there, today, but most people who we emailed couldn't do it today. So what we're going to do, we're going to look at a different time in May. But if you want to just email me, joe.crummy at christcentral.ca, if you want to be involved in that, and you're like, Joe, like, I understand some things, but I don't actually know how to put it into practice. We're going to look at some different frameworks that people have developed and some systems and patterns and things that have helped people just email me, and we'll find a date that we can just do that together, okay? So if that interests you or you want more help on that, please let me know. So in conclusion, I'll just ask the worship team to come, and we're going to get ready to respond to God. Just a quick review. Money, it's powerful, and it can either master us or it can be a servant. We can use it for good, and it can become an idol or it becomes a tool to serve God's purposes and there's grace from God. There's strength, there's energy, there's resources to give, and God provides, and we can live with that generous life, and we can examine our lives, and we can invest in eternal things. And if our trust is in Jesus for provision and contentment, money and generosity can be a great tool that God uses to bless others. And it's a sign of loving God deeply. God, you've been so generous to us, we can be generous that it's an incredible way to love our neighbors and our network of friends and the nations around us in a tangible way. And it can cultivate our desires for things that are eternal. And the reality is this, we need Jesus <laughs> to make that. Our self-control and our good desires aren't going to cut it. We need a work of God in our lives to become a generous people. And so in your life groups this week, I'll put the questions out on the live stream but there's just some things I'm just going to ask you about that you can wrestle through and that you can begin to apply. Because again, folks, it's not just about hearing God's Word. It's about applying and working God's Word into our lives. So let's pray, and then we're going to sing. And this song is, again, I say this every time I think I preach, but okay, God's speaking to you right now. Okay? It's a time to act. And a lot of times we use this song as, God, I'm, you've been convicting me. You've been revealing things to me, God. You've been point, putting your finger on something. God, I want to do something about it. So you might want to pray during the song. You might actually want to text somebody and say, hey, can we meet up this week? I want to share something I feel God spoke to me. You might want to write something down and say, at Life Group this week in my small group, I'm going to share because it's putting action to God speaking to us. So if you're able, why don't you stand? And I'm going to pray and pray for those watching online and say, Jesus, your death and resurrection changes everything, and it changes our lives, and that affects our money and possessions and finances and our view and the power 
it has over us. And God, we just admit, Lord, a lot of times we serve money, whether we know it or not, instead of you. And God, we don't want to rival God. Lord, we want you to be Lord of our lives. Lord, everything is from you and through you and for you. But God, we need you. We need you, Holy Spirit, to fill us and to change us from the inside out. Would you help change our attitudes and our mind and our actions, Lord, that would glorify you. And that, Lord, we want to be a blessing to those around us as we are generous people. And we want to store up treasures in heaven that will give you glory. So help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.